Welcome back to Monster Seeking Meeple, the horror board game podcast. My name is Tyler. And my name is Cole. <laughs> That's so good. And, th- <laughs> and thanks for listening. Today we're going to talk about the game Ultimate Werewolf Legacy. This is based on the popular party and social deduction game Werewolf and was made into a handy little purchasable game by Bezier Games in 2014 called Ultimate Werewolf. Here, Bezier Games try and turn the popular game into a legacy format. So to start, we'll just dive right into what the game is. Ultimate Werewolf Legacy was published in 2018. It was designed by Ted Alsbach and Rob Davia. The publisher was Bezier Games. It plays 8 to 16. The Legacy game is based on the card-based social deduction game Ultimate Werewolf, published by the same company. Ultimate Werewolf was published in 2014. The social deduction game Werewolf has roots back to 1986. Werewolf was typically also known in tandem as Mafia, and it's a social deduction game created by Dmitry Davidoff. He dates the first game back to spring 1987 at the psychology department of Moscow State University, spreading to classrooms, dorms, and summer camps of Moscow University. Andrew Plotkin gave the rules a werewolf theme in 1997. It's been re-implemented into multiple games since its conceptual inception. In Ultimate Werewolf, players are given secret roles and asked to find whom among them are werewolves. Meanwhile, the players who are werewolves are trying to get rid of everybody else in the village before they are discovered. Bezier Games' claim in turning the game into a legacy game is that Ultimate Werewolf Legacy raises the tension and increases the impact of decisions made by the players, as everything that happens will impact future games. Players are each given a public family card in addition to their secret role card, and will team up with other members of their family to work together unless one or more of their family members is secretly working against them. Players can earn special abilities that carry over between games as well. The idea is also that the village itself will change over time based on both the decisions of the players and the outcome of each game session, depending on which team won. The game is led by a moderator. It comes with an 80-page plus diary, which walks the game moderator through every session. The diary is structured into five distinct chapters with three game sessions in each chapter, as well as an introductory preface game session, which is recommended. Players can jump in and out for individual sessions, but they'll have the most fun if they play all the sessions in a chapter, which is three. Each chapter can be played in a single evening. At the end of the 16-game session campaign, the diary will be a record of exactly what happened in your village, who was ultimately responsible for what it became over time. To play it again, you just need to simply purchase a replay pack from the publisher. As with all legacy games, the changes you make are permanent for that playthrough. Here on Monster Seeking People, we don't really want to talk about Werewolf as far as a game. Most people who are in any way familiar with the social deduction game itself know about werewolf and have their impressions and opinions on it i don't think we would really contribute anything of notable value to that discussion ultimately we want to talk about the game's uh, big milestones as far 
as its uh, concepts that it's been able to achieve. And this is the first time it's ever been turned into a legacy game, which is really exciting. So as far as it goes, it takes on all the same type of mechanics that a typical werewolf game has. It has your good team and it has your bad team. It has your werewolves who have varying powers and your villagers who have varying powers. And it has everything that a bad party game could need. It has lying, backstabbing, bullying, elimination. Yet it still really works. And I'll be perfectly honest, I love social deduction games. Um, I know not everyone can say that, but I just have a big attachment to them. I just think they're so fun. And so I was really excited to see how this game would approach a legacy format where I could force my friends to sit for multiple sessions at a time and get mad at each other. So I guess I'll open the floor to you. How do you like social deduction games? In general, I do like social deduction games a lot. I just kind of like the hiding and lying aspect. I tend to like to play the character who's trying to sneak by everybody or get away with something. <laughs> I, it's just a lot of fun in general to play these games because, you know, if you play with people enough, you can start to learn a little bit of their tics or their giveaways. I just find that really interesting. So I, I do like social deduction games a lot and I'm always down to play them. Yeah, every social deduction game kind of just takes that same concept, you know, a spy, a villain, a werewolf, a cop, and it turns that into a team-based game where you don't know their true identities, just for reference. And so there's definitely some hits or misses in the genre. Werewolf is probably just the most, one of the most well-known of that. And so it obviously really fits this horror theme. As far as Ultimate Werewolf Legacy, Legacy games have kind of become popular in recent times because they're very replayable and they create this overarching story that a normal one-time session of a board game can't really achieve because it's very permanent and your changes and decisions impact the rest of the game. It can be really fun to see how that affects the overarching story and each next gameplay. So I kind of just want to read a brief excerpt from the very beginning. I want to preface and saying Monster Seeking People is not going to talk about this game with spoilers. If anything, there will be very minor spoilers. There will be little minor changes and decisions the group or town, as they make it here, has to make. It says it's an eerie little background. There's little recorded history regarding the werewolves of New England, the village where it all started, and everything that came to pass. So it's setting you in a fictional village around 1689, where essentially small little village who happens upon the idea that werewolves have entered. This game requires a good amount of people, specifically 8 to 16, with a minimum of 8. And that's because you need a moderator also. I was the moderator for about half the sessions. Ideally, what you should have is a moderator who leads one whole chapter which is three gaming sessions. Each session lasts about 30 to 60 minutes, depending on how many players you have, how long the nights go for, and obviously if how fast the werewolves or villagers can find each other. Like the description says and Bezier claims is that a chapter can be played in one night, and I would agree with that. We tried to get into every night, and that was giving it a little generousness. So overall, we played it over the course of several weeks. So that way it was most accommodating for people to be able to get together. We had a lot of most people who came back for multiple chapters because they were interested. I moderated about half the chapters. I would do one, then 
offer my friend Joe to do the next one. Essentially, what happens is with this moderator is I'm leading the charge as far as determining who, when people get to vote, when the night phase begins, kind of you're just, you know, conductor of the whole game. But the moderator can change on a chapter by chapter basis. The reason you're able to switch up a moderator between these chapters, why your decisions impact the rest of the game and make permanent changes to what's going to happen, all it requires to start a new chapter is a little bit of setup, which the moderator can read a little bit beforehand, maybe peel off a couple stickers and place them in the appropriate rule book or diary. Beyond a chapter, you aren't going to read ahead. You aren't going to read to the next chapter. So as long as you just read that one encompassed chapter, you can then allow someone else to be the moderator for the next chapter. I myself wanted to still participate in the actual game, so I didn't want to moderate every single chapter. That was the kind of the reasoning behind that. I thought it was very instructional. It gave you pretty much what you need to tell the villagers, what you're not allowed to tell them. It was pretty straightforward. Sometimes there's a little too many stickers that you needed to peel off in place. And if you wanted to do two sessions in a night, for example, it would require about 10 to 15 minutes of just downtime of you like getting it all set up and reading it through where that's kind of not always fun for people who still want to play or have other things they need to do. As long as you can get a dedicated group and people who know each other, that's really not that much of a problem. As far as a story goes, I guess we'll dive into our impressions of the overarching story. Do you feel like Ultimate Werewolf Legacy's implementation of this game as a legacy game was successful in telling an overarching story? No, (laughs) I don't think it was successful. My short answer is there are changes that are going to carry over from chapter to chapter, but story-wise and major impacts on the game, it felt like it didn't really matter necessarily what fully happened in the previous chapter, especially story-wise. It just, I don't want to say incoherent, but it just felt like each one was trying to be its own self-contained story that very loosely connected to the prior. I ultimately didn't feel like there was much of a story uh, for this that would change based off of your decisions. As far as the story goes, having to reread it briefly in the diary, I totally forgot about it after. You're wanting to all get up to that ending, and I remember the ending being a little disappointing. And each chapter kind of gave you a little bit of backstory, but I remember even some of the chapters had very redundant or small descriptions of what was happening. And it was kind of like, that didn't really give much context to why this chapter is any different than the last beyond little changes that carried over. Now, there are some cool decisions that the overall town has to make, which impact the playthroughs and advantages that one side will get or the other and characteristics that the players get to work with. Each player gets a character card from a family. There's three members in each family, and you want to include all of them. And essentially, as the game will go on, these families will get changes that happen to them or little abilities. That made it fun because you could keep playing your same character over and over again. Sometimes changes had to happen based on new players entering in. A lot of times you could keep your same character and record their journey. So there were some decisions that got to be made throughout the course of all five chapters that did do a crossroads, right? 
either this happens or this happens. Now I'll say for reference, we only played Ultimate Werewolf Legacy once. So we can only speak from the decisions we got to have. There's a ton of different cards and there's a ton of different little stickers that we never got to see based on decisions we made. However, I'll say just as a very minor spoiler, at the very beginning of the game in chapter one, there's a decision that the whole town has to make that'll kind of decide that chapter and potentially chapters to come. And it was kind of like you dangled a little carrot in front of the town and said, oh, do you want this? Do you want this? And it was kind of like, well, yeah. I mean, what have I got to lose? Why wouldn't you pick that? It was kind of a little mind game, I'm assuming they tried to play. Like, ooh, be careful what you wish for. But why wouldn't you? You know, if you want to see truly what the game has to offer, why wouldn't you pick these little options that could lead to more fun results? So I thought that was a little kind of like eye rolly, like, well, oh, you know, watch out, guys. Do you want to, even as a moderator, having to ask people, I was kind of like, well, I already knew what they were going to answer. But I guess in theory, there might be some more cautious or some more hesitant or gamers out there who might have sided against it or maybe in another playthrough, you'd obviously decide differently. Is there any notable things that you remember from the overarching story? Well, yeah, I was actually going to bring up that same thing. I completely agree in terms of decision. It's more of like a why not? And I feel like most people will choose what you were describing there. But I also want to just say in terms of that kind of idea of everybody coming together to make a decision, and I I could be remembering this incorrectly, but I felt like that was truly the only time that everybody came together to make a decision. Beyond that subsequent chapters, I didn't feel like that really ever happened again. I feel like there was a few things where maybe certain people could make decisions, but not the whole town. As far as decisions go that affected the overall plot, to play devil's advocate to your point, every chapter involved one big key decision that did change aspects of the game. Uh, I won't go into specifically what that is, but it did involve every chapter. There was a consistent decision that the village had to make, which I, I feel like had enough of a decent impact to kind of reward players and to remember the events that unfolded for that chapter. Do you disagree with that? Um, I do. I know what you're kind of referring to there. And technically speaking, yes, it did have an impact. For me personally, I felt it wasn't enough. It feels like it's like a little a little add-on that really doesn't have any effect on the story or really the next chapter, but it's technically a decision that's going to carry over. <laughs> there were a definitive lack of giant punches that really made you go, wow, that's completely going to change the game. I would agree with that. Kind of what I was saying before is at the very end, all these little tiny micro decisions that you make are supposed to carry into the very end where you're supposed to learn how it's concluded. In my opinion, I'm not going to go into how many different options there are, but there weren't as many as I would have liked. So I guess we can talk about the mechanics. Obviously, the game follows the werewolf format, like we've already discussed. And there are cards that are dealt out to each player to show what your role is. There's obviously the werewolf team versus the village team. And just like any good old werewolf game, there are hidden and special roles on each team. Most notably, there is a iconic role called the seer. Minor spoiler, as it's probably already going to be expected, the seer makes a appearance in this game 
The seer is a villager car that allows a good team or villager player every night to point to a player in secret while everyone's eyes are closed and get an indication from the moderator whether or not that player is a villager or whether or not that player is a werewolf by thumbs up or thumbs down. The seer player then has a decision to make to share their knowledge with everyone during the day phase from the discussion phase or kind of remain in the quiet, gathering that information before they reveal themselves as at that given point, if they say who they are, they're one of the villager players that has a great benefit and advantage for that team and therefore become a target. So there are a bunch of cards in this game that as the game goes on, you're supposed to phase in and phase out certain roles and they each have different abilities. So we didn't get to see all of them. And there were a lot of cool roles that I wish would have come up, but they didn't. Do you feel like that the game introduced a good amount of roles and varied roles that fit our game, the competence of each team based on how well they were doing? As I feel like that's kind of what Bezier Games was trying to um, showcase by phasing in and out the roles. In, role, in terms of roles, yes. I felt that there was a decent enough difference in terms of the monsters that were, I don't know why I say monsters, but individuals with special abilities that show up, come and go, depending on the chapter. What I want to touch on, though, in terms of these is, you know, with each chapter, it is the three sessions. And based on the results of who won, you know, the majority or the least or whatever it was from the previous chapter, that's what carries over into the following chapter and ultimately helps decide what kind of individuals with abilities are introduced. I felt like if one team had won the previous chapter, the next chapter, they were going to be at a disadvantage. So the other team would ultimately get individuals with pretty decent, you know, fun abilities that would give them an advantage to win the next. And it just felt like it was kind of alternating <laughs> from chapter to chapter. But with the individuals we saw with those abilities, it, it definitely brought some variety. So I did appreciate that. I, I felt like they could have introduced more different roles because they didn't want to create too much of an advantage on one team or the other. And they wanted to kind of not make it too hectic or chaotic they kind of slowly introduced roles oftentimes there's what's called a villager who is just a plain jane like they have no abilities they simply are part of the villager team and have to use their wits about them to decide who's who but they get no unique abilities that help or give them any type of advantage and are kind of fodder for the werewolves to start offing. Because we played with, on average, about 10 players, there was still a lot of villagers, and I would have liked to see the game give not more of an advantage to the villagers, but just a little more uniqueness to these villagers. Oftentimes, it's more exciting to get a werewolf with an ability or a villager with an ability rather than a plain old villager. Each session involves dealing out these cards at random, so often you could get dealt a villager multiple times as some players were led, and sometimes you can get dealt multiple werewolf cards and you're not a good werewolf. And the game kind of tried to balance this. Oh, the werewolves were doing really good, so let's start implementing more unique roles here. The role cards are dealt out random every time. One player who's good at a werewolf isn't going to really be good as a villager, and so therefore it's already inherently balanced in the inherent randomness of dealing out the role cards. I, I get why they were trying to balance it, but it didn't really make a lot of sense as you're giving an advantage to one side, but not really factoring in that other people could 
get a different role that next time and not be very good at it. I would agree with that. And I would just say, just like in general, if you're a basic werewolf, just like in the regular werewolf game, you have the ability to vote. So you you like to kill people at night. So you have that extra interaction. If you get a basic villager, I mean, you're awake during the day and you get to participate just like everybody else. But I think, you know, obviously of all the roles, it's the least exciting. Based off of my track record, I didn't get that too often. But yeah, there was definitely, you know, one or two people who probably got villager more than they should have. And there were definitely people who weren't really necessarily comfortable in the werewolf position. And I feel like that's where people have their opinions on werewolf. You know, everyone's a good liar. And to be a werewolf, you you have to be a liar. The benefit of being a villager is that you get to kind of tell the truth most of the time. Uh, unless you're trying to hide something but not everyone is really good at being deceptive and so i i feel like there were a couple of players in our group who weren't always comfortable being the werewolf and therefore put them at a disadvantage they had tells that gave them away if they were being accused and werewolf has that a negative aspect of the game where if you're eliminated and this game doesn't change that that you no longer get to talk for the rest of the session you get to uh, have that fun experience of seeing the night phase and get to see what everyone's roles are as they're called off one by one you get to see if your intuitions were correct and suspicions were validated but ultimately you don't get to talk at all about what those things you got to see yeah the game considers you a ghost when you're killed And so that's ultimately when you get to have a snack break, (laughs) because you're right, you don't get to do anything. (laughs) Yeah. One recommendation for this game is have things for people to do if they die. So food and a side room where people can maybe go talk, because it's not really fun for people if they get eliminated. And the more people there are, the longer your eliminated phase will be. So that's not going to be everyone's cup of tea. I I will say, you know, I wouldn't really consider this a spoiler, but if you're the first eliminated, you do get an item that will help you in the next game, which I thought was nice so that you're not, obviously being the first eliminated sucks because you just have to sit there and watch everybody else play the rest of the game. It's nice that they at least give a slight little bonus to the individual who gets screwed over (laughs) immediately. If somebody, if some group won the previous chapter, it felt like they just swayed the favor for the other group for the next chapter. And it was just a constant back and forth from chapter to chapter, at least statistically based off of what I'm showing on my character card. It just seemed to be flip flop chapter to chapter. As far as Werewolf goes, the fact that you got to play it over multiple sessions, this brought people back. People would come to play the werewolf just to see what the next chapter would be. They wanted to see how it would envelop and how the decisions would alter the game. And I thought that was really cool. There were some players who, oh, well, I'm not the biggest fan of werewolf, but I would, I want to come back because I want to see how the game's going to go. And there were a lot of fun memories that got created during this, like, It was just so fun to watch people get into their character, slightly role play, to remember things from prior sessions, even though the game doesn't really want you to do that. I I feel like that's inevitable that remembering, you know, a betrayal from a prior session will impact your decisions for the future, kind of making false profit statements that get get you killed, that, that happened. There was just so many little fun elements that got created from this. 
But you start to think, and, and I do wonder, as much fun as I had in those memories that we created, was that the game creating them for us? Or was that our group already inherently being active and engaging and really running with it? I think the fact that the group already mostly for the, the sake of social deduction, they, they liked werewolves and were happy to play it, had a couple drinks and didn't have an issue what role they were given. But would you get that same aspect in just simply playing werewolf for a whole night? You know, that's where that's where you start to wonder. So what does the legacy aspect offer? I feel like as far as legacy goes, I think it really kept people more engaged and coming back and motivated to play more, more than anything, which I guess I'm happy for because I got to play more werewolf. But would you agree? I mean, do you feel like that that you could have had that same amount of experience with werewolf as a regular game and switching out the roles? I would say yes and no. I would say yes in the sense that I don't think the game inherently was causing these these fun little moments. I would say that's just more our friend group. And, you know, for the most part, we all kind of knew each other and we all got along. But I say no only in the sense that I don't see this happening with a regular werewolf game only because I don't think people would want to play werewolf three times in a row. This game kind of forces you to do that. (laughs) I feel like because of that, by extension, it caused everybody to stay together playing the same game repeatedly. So like you said, people are going to remember what happened maybe in the previous the previous event and who won and maybe hold on to that. And (laughs) I would say yes and no on that. But one thing I just want to bring up is like, in terms of some of the moments, this game, it had its fun moments just because of our friend group. And one thing that stuck in my mind is, you know, when it's night night phase, just like any regular werewolf game, everybody has their eyes closed. And, you know, of course, everybody's trying to listen for any little sound or mm-hmm. anything like that to get an advantage on who they think the werewolf's going to be. And even with background noise, um, you know, people can still hear this. But one of the people on in our group, you know, swore they saw a shadow move and they based their whole argument off of that for the next... For the next session <laughs> and they were just like oh i saw that shadow movie even though my eyes were closed and i was looking down at the ground he could just sense it <laughs> it was so silly but <laughs> you just dove in on that argument and i feel like there's little moments like that that are going to happen with this game people making silly decisions or people being terrible liars sometimes which can be funny it just that inherently will happen just with people in general <laughs> this game not necessarily was creating these moments there were a couple times where we had a little issue with the rules. I know there's been a RADA that was published since the game's development from the developer on their website, which helped maybe clarify some things. And every session involves a moderator reading their steps one by one, which can get a little repetitive and sometimes unclear and even sometimes unfulfilling if there really wasn't nothing interesting for the moderator to do, because ultimately they're kind of just every day, all right, here's next step, everyone go. And then there's like a little reference guide that the game comes with so that it explains the rules. And I feel like for the most part, the rules were never too much of an issue and the rule book was pretty self-explanatory. I know in some werewolf games, there can be some complicated roles and I don't feel like that ever truly became a point of contention for people. Most people understood what the roles did in any given time because it's a little awkward if you get your role and you don't really know how it works. And at that point, you know, how do you ask 
without revealing yourself. So as long as everyone understood what the roles do beforehand, then it can kind of go smoothly. So there might be a point where the moderator can kind of dictate how your experience of the game goes. An engaging and fun and active moderator will kind of help make you excited and understand the game mechanics and how they flow. I could see a moderator being a point of issue, even while the steps are laid out one by one for you. There were often times when I was like, oh, wait, I missed a step. Hold on, we got to go back. I don't I don't feel like it ever became a point really where it really took us off the rails. But there were definitely a couple of times when I was like, oh, I definitely messed that up. Um, yeah. And in terms of the moderator, one thing I do want to touch on is, um, you know, it's up to the moderator to kind of push people along from voting to nighttime to daytime. I think we found that having a timer did help with this because without it, I do remember there were times where it would go a little long if we didn't have somebody pushing us along. For reference, there's a little app you can download which does the night and day phase for you and the moderator can kind of use that as leverage to move it along. Or they can just kind of use the tempo of how the game's going. Sometimes not really anyone wants to have too much of a discussion, discussion during the day phase, so they can kind of use that to move it. We'll get into our final thoughts. So Ultimate Werewolf Legacy is based on a game that I already know and love. So I have a bias towards already appreciating Werewolf as a social deduction game. I kind of grew up with it. I I played it in like middle school. Well, implementations of it. I feel like the game's concept has been around for a long time. I already knew I was going to like this game, but I wanted to hope other people would like it. I think as far as a legacy game goes, it it, it wasn't strong enough for me. I've played a couple legacy games now, and I really like to see a legacy game that truly takes your decisions and impacts them in a good or bad way. I just want to see the game change more than just now use this card. They could have gone farther with their legacy concept. Even though the diary is a bunch of pages and that there's a bunch of different options we didn't experience, I can kind of already just by glancing see what those kind of options are as a moderator and it's not a big enough change. If you already like Werewolf, you're going to like this game. And if you can get a dedicated group of players together for multiple sessions, then I think you guys will have a lot of fun with it. But I would just say keep your expectations from the aspect of do you already like Werewolf? From there, you'll be able to keep coming back and enjoy the ride as far as the story goes. But I wouldn't say get don't get too invested into the legacy aspect, as if you keep your expectations low, you might be surprised. For this reason, I would give the game a 7.5. Yeah, for the most part, I agree with a lot of what you were saying. Despite its title, I would say also going into this game, do not expect it to really be a legacy game. For the most part, like Tyler is describing and based off of some other legacy games we've played, the decisions you make aren't going to have much of an impact, in my opinion. And I wanted to see that as well, where these decisions, positive or for the worse, have a major impact on affecting the story or the game moving forward. That really didn't happen for me. I also agree. 
if you like Werewolf, you're going to like this game. But yes, you do need a lot of people and it is a bit of a time commitment. <laughs> you, do, you do have to find the right people who are willing to kind of hang out for a little while and get through each chapter, which, you know, does take the 30 to 60 minutes per session. I had fun with this game during the social deduction aspects with all of our friends, you know, joking around, trying to deduce the thoughts of other players. But I feel like that's inherently with any social deduction game for what it's offering and what it's trying to portray itself as i feel it didn't fully achieve that and so because of that i would give it a six out of ten all right so we got some good discourse on social deduction games and hopefully we'll get to review more of them in the future thank you guys so much for listening and this is uh, our review discussion of ultimate werewolf legacy we appreciate you on behalf of monster seeking meatball all right and take care thanks Ooh. <laughs>